0: Hello, and welcome to Open School of Business. Today, I am uh, very happy to introduce you to Ina Gikondi, who I met at the George Washington University. But what is very unique about her is that uh, she's an entrepreneur. She uh, built something new, ground up uh, at the George Washington University that wasn't there uh, before uh, she joined. So uh, as, community of small business owners and community of entrepreneurs and startups, I think we can learn a lot uh, from Ina's experience today. And uh, she can tell us all about how she started and uh, how uh, she got interested in coaching uh, to begin with.
1: Great. Thank you so much, Anar, for this invitation. And, um, you know, entrepreneurship is... um, i I would think of it as it's deep in my in my blood uh, my parents were entrepreneurs um they were a small business owners you know I'm originally from Albania, and I grew up uh with um parents who uh caught sort of at that wave of transition when the country was coming out of communism they um they were out there and they started their first business, which was a, a furniture a furniture business. And uh they knew nothing about entrepreneurship at that time. But a country coming out of communism, there was not such a thing as having your own business. So just the idea of freedom that you can um you can be open to opportunities and, and create a different reality for yourself. And witnessing at such a young age, that always felt empowering because there was this idea that you can, if you can picture it and you can uh, hold the intention, you can move into action. And so growing up like that definitely uh, provided uh, a good grounding, I would say. And I feel Either uh even through the years of my education and schooling in um in Albania in my home country, I always had that um inner I call it the inner grinch, but it's like something when something doesn't feel right because there is the mold of the system that things need to be done a certain way. I always felt like, oh, we can try differently. Why can't we try this way? Or why don't we push it this direction? And um when I was 16, I started a nonprofit, uh, in Albania that supported the work of the United Nations was called the UN association of Albania. And, and I, and at that time I was also working and doing other things like campaign work. And, um, uh, as I move into my 18th year, I started working with other organizations as well. And, um, did a lot of, uh, work. Um, I mean, I was going to school as a lawyer <laughs> to be trained as a lawyer, but my passion was building new things and creating spaces. And, and I've noticed, um, that what I have been really good at is gathering that startup. You know, I know many startups have, um, uh, that, sort of initial energy, putting the flame, but then you have to sustain it. And while I've noticed of myself through the years is that I'm pretty good at that breaking the mold moment. I also need others and people to support and to, um, to continue to do the nurturing and the maintenance of the vision. That's just a general thought, but to come back to your, uh, to your question, um, or rather to just speaking a little bit about entrepreneurship and, and building things from the ground up. at I landed at GW 15 years ago. And at this time, I was going to school on a master's in political management. Um, it was kind of throwing myself into something completely new because this was a, a space that was so focused around US politics and I had to learn new things pretty quickly pretty fast sometimes with 6th graders civics books but it helped me to understand the landscape of um, and and some of the foundations of how this country works and 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 how things get done in the Washington DC area and as I uh was going to school I um also was finding it strugg- there was struggle because I moved from another country and I know uh, as humans, not just as entrepreneurs do go through transitions, I feel we all need help in the journey and we need to learn to ask for help in the journey. And through this transition, uh, the school, um, I found out that the school was offering uh, coaching uh, sessions for students, whoever wanted it. And I was curious. So I said, I have no idea, but it's getting my attention. And this one professor, Kathleen Schaefer, it's her name. She was teaching also a class in political leadership. And her class was very different from anything I had seen because she was focusing a lot on that, the inner capabilities, the inner capacities of the leader. Getting that deep dive into getting to know ourselves, which I think it's foundational in any really not just business venture any any venture in being in being able to be present and a contributor in the society and so i uh i started doing some sessions with her and i found these this time to be quite uh useful and i kept thinking wow i wished i knew that this thing existed earlier on in my life, too. I mean, even when I was a kid, I had all these questions. And um, yes, I had great supportive parents. And my my mom had also helped. Um, she had brought uh, me to at home for me and my sister, this um, English language tutor and he would do things in such a very different he would facilitate learning in such a different way, which was getting this sort of deep dive into our inner work. So anyway, coming back to the coaching with Kathleen, um I got more and more interested and in parallel, uh I started working for the Center for of for excellence in public leadership, where I continue to work uh today and my role has changed and transformed over the years, but the center, um, was doing a lot of work in what we call executive education. So supporting leaders and mid-career professional senior leaders, uh, to continue with their development and their growth as leaders. And so that in this process, I, um, um, I started noticing the need um, for, uh, for these leaders to have m- kind of this individual time. And part of it was, um, they would be doing these 360 assessments, which if for people who might not know what they are, they just get like a, uh, a, a perspective on your leadership and your, and you get feedback from people from different levels, um, across the organization that are related to you. And often, Uh, we would have them do these professional development plans and, um, and they had to write, like they had to write them down and I had to provide feedback. And I found it challenging at times because offering feedback, feedback to something that I'm not engaging with or interacting. I'm like, I need some to meet this human being and have conversations. And that's where it started. I started doing debriefs, one-on-one debriefs of 360s. And um, I figured that at that point, I needed to get better at it because I was just doing it by showing up as a human. But um, the coaching space is, is, needs also other um, considerations and you, you need guidance. You can't just step into it. And at the same time, I was doing, uh, after engaging with the center and the work of the center, I also um, started doing a master's in uh, human resource development, which offered uh, the School of Education, which offered another set of grounding and foundation. So this was the starting point, just to give a picture of how I came to it. Um, it was a moment of transition. Um, and the other thing is I was never used to asking for help. So that it was an interesting way for me to start asking for help. Um, and, um, to know that there is a profession out there that can actually help, uh, people to be heard. I heard, I don't remember who said this recently, but, um, this idea of, Feeling loved uh, is almost equal to the idea of feeling heard or being heard. Mm -hmm. And I think um, this is not just in the coaching space. And I think also not just for entrepreneurs, but for anyone. I think if we can um, find our inner voice and find the group of people Or spaces or beings that can support us to get more in touch with that voice, I think it's a winner to be a a jumping board uh, into whatever venture we want to move into.
0: I love every bit uh, of what you said, and I can see how certain ideas that you presented, I want to develop them. Uh, and i'm I'm gonna come back to some of those that were very interesting uh but I do wanna go back um to that notion about you know how little little small revolutions uh create an evolution for learning and for entrepreneurship and development so i wanna go back to how uh you evolved uh at the center uh for leadership at the g w and created this completely new program. And it is widely successful with a lot of alumni coming out with certificates and and coaching other leaders. Um, so uh, like you said, it was a very long journey, yeah. uh, but it was uh, an evolving journey. It wasn't just like you came in there and mm-hmm. you just set up something and created and decided. So. Uh, share some of those lessons that you picked up along the way of yeah. how you did it with the help of others, with your own ideas, um, and, and, and whatever that worked for you yeah. in that space.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, uh, I did mention earlier a little bit of how I came to coaching, that connection. And um, I went myself through a coach um, training school. I went through New Ventures West, which is a really good school um, and and takes a very holistic approach to coaching. They call it integral. And um, through that journey, I um, did a deep dive on my own self. And meanwhile, at the center, the more we kept bringing in coaching and peer coaching, and we embedded a lot of these um, um, services in our uh, leader development programs uh people were becoming more and more hungry they were asking for more and i remember in the early days we could barely uh sneak in one hour of two hours of coaching the most for leaders and these days if we don't have a coaching component it's not called a leader development program anymore so it's we we lead with that in some ways because it really Uh, supports and builds that inner capacity in people. And so um, we also started to hear from alums that were going through our program. They wanted to know more to get, uh, to deepen their own skills. And they also asked whether we were offering anything further into this. So that was part of it, Uh, sort of the external need. But then the internal, uh, my own journey to it, I think was important because, um, we, um, during this time, I had this vision and I wanted to continue to build the capacity. And we first said, let's focus the, um, let's focus our work to support people who are already on the path, who are already coaches and let's take them deeper. We did that for a while and we partnered because- It was, uh, it was, there were people who had already done the work and it was, we could move with it faster. So partnership is a great way to go. And that was a good try, which also told us that this is a very niche market. So it's good, but we wanted to reach more people and we wanted to reach the mainstream, the people who um, don't always think of coaching (laughs) or coaching as a career. So we did build this foundational coach training program. And I knew there were some things that um, we wanted to do differently. One thing was we wanted to bring the holistic, uh, the, the multiple and honoring the multiple intelligences in our system. So that was one, we call it eco leadership and uh, eco means several things means, um, Eco comes from the Greek word oikos, which means home. So a way of coming home and connecting. Um, eco also means an ecosystem. So we, how do we become aware of our own ecosystem and then all the ecosystems of awareness that we're engaged in as leaders and as human beings? And then there is another element to it, which is the word e and the word co which we use it as a way to talk about expanding inward to connect outward. And all of this, I say, um, came out of a a branding process. Um, And just to take a step back, I had written everything on paper because I think, how did this come? It came to me and I had written it all down. And I remember going and talking to my boss, the director of our center, Jim Robinson, and I said, and Jim is a fantastic human being, but just a wonderful uh, leader as well. And, you know, when you, uh, if people talk about blessings, I feel like he's one of them for me because he's, uh, he's always been a great support. And so I talked to him about the vision and he's like, well, just go for it and and move it so to have people the supporters early on in your journey who um and again this is more of an entrepreneurship because again we're talking about the university and a and a space where you're creating things from within similar and i would say the center itself is like that entrepreneurial spirit within the university and the best example i can I can share, it comes from um, um, a book called Relational Ontologies and uh, the example of the rhizomes and the trees. And the the rhizome is this little plant that can grow and grows fast. And the tree is more sturdy, more, it takes longer to be built. The Mm -hmm. rhizome can be adaptable, but it needs the tree to have that strength. And the tree needs the rhizome to become more versatile and flexible. So we need both of those energies. And I think the university feels like the tree and the center feels or the program more like that infant that is trying to move to new avenues, but it needs the grounding. And so um, that was the initial stage. And I think the gestation stage took a while. I just keep writing, keep noticing, reading. Oh, I see the International Coaching Federation is focused so much on the process skills. I would like a program to focus also on developing the capacity of the coach or the body of the coach, because that's essential. Without that, you can do process all day. So... Really going, we did different ideation sessions um with our group of coaches and consultants, just to share with them. you know, we use design thinking principles and things of that kind. We had several of those just to come to sort of the core um and then once we knew uh a little bit what that design or structure would look like um we had. We hired a branding team and that was another process on its own because um, through the branding, I didn't know that I knew many things. Um, I started discovering, in fact, we, the name was Conscious Leadership and we ended up with ECO. And this is where I want to plug, put another plug. I think it's important in the journey of, of birthing, if you will, I'm thinking of entrepreneurs as that journey of birthing. Um, I, uh, I had started to work with, um, uh, I didn't bring the personal healing journey through this process. I went through a significant illness and process of healing. I had to, to stop on the tracks and get better. And it took a while because it was this mysterious things that we couldn't figure out. I mean, I think I know today it was a form of burnout and uh, and it threw off my system in so many ways. So I know for me, as a, a birther, <laughs> I have to really, uh, the lesson is I have to really know when I'm off balance, off track, so I can come back to myself and nourish. But as these things were happening. The, the healing journey was happening. I was, um, I worked with a lot of healers and different alternative practitioners. And one of them, um, I, I had discovered is a practitioner that works with plant spirit medicine, uh, out of the work of a guy, Elliot Cohen. And, um, he, um, uh, in working with this practitioner, I started hearing and I mean listening to dreams in a new way. And one of the dreams that I had um, was a dream with Dalai Lama. And I uh, I remember getting up in the middle of the night and writing things down. And when I got up in the morning, I found the word eco on written on paper, and they were written. E separated with a line and the code, the way the program shows up today. I couldn't make sense what it was. I I didn't know. um, And I started watching different things from Dalai Lama movies and reading documentaries. And in one of them, he talks about... Um and I I I kept always saying, Oh, okay, it's exchange it's expanding and contracting. It's about learning how to be in the space in between. And I learned that he talks about a practice called the practice of the exchange. He says we expand and we contract, which was the language I was using. And he says it's about taking in everything that doesn't feel right and releasing um, releasing it back. It's actually, it's known as in Buddhism, the practice of Tonglen, which is, um, cultivating inner peace and breathing out compassion. That's what it is. So, um, so I say this as a, as a, as an example, because having faith and trust in this, I had no idea why the word was showing up, but I had to trust it. And so there are certain things in the process when you're, when you're, um, bringing to life something new that, uh, you have to, um, cultivate and listen, which is your intuition and your dreams are a direct connection to your subconscious minds, which is suppressed during the day because we're so, um, uh, active with our conscious mind that we don't hear that part of us that is dormant. So that's why dreams can actually help. And um, the dream work has become now through Dr. Bonnie Buckner, uh, my colleague has become a significant part of our coaching program. Uh, We really capitalize on that. And so to add a few more things to it, um, iterations, piloting, our first program was a pilot uh, I had a group of almost fifteen faculty. We tried things together. I remember one of the faculties. He would say, "We're building the um, we're building the plane as we're flying," and that's how it felt. Mm-hmm. And this first iteration was very revealing in many ways. And and then you, f- I I kept finding my own ego at times. Like, no, this is not supposed to be this way. No, mm-hmm. it has to be this way. And then resting into it and having people to lean on during that process is really important because, um, somehow, you know, what you want in the, in the result, but the path is not always the path that you choose. And, uh, you have to allow space to process it and you have to allow people to help you. Um, And now we're in our fourth iteration. We have a good rhythm. This is where I feel like, okay, we're in a good rhythm. So it's a six-year cycle. It's been a six-year cycle to bring it to a place where it feels like, okay, we have a rhythm. And there's much more to it, but I have to pause because. uh, (laughs) I
0: love it. I love every bit of it. And uh, if you listen to uh, some of our uh, previous episodes, we actually um, uh, had a researcher, a professor from Vanderbilt University who met Dalai Lama. And he was talking about his experience of uh, of working with him and how he is very um, lively and likes to use humor when he works with people. So um, uh, I'm just more... Um, uh, I should say inspired that, you know, my podcast somehow brings in people that are, uh, very much connected, uh, not through just the, you know, the topic of the business and entrepreneurship, but also spiritually and, uh, and seeing the bigger picture. So, um, I also noticed, uh, how you've been, um, evolving and constantly seeking more knowledge, um, and getting more degrees so <laughs> i was uh wondering how uh do you go through that um and when do you say sort of like um, basically when do you have that spark to go and get a new degree because <laughs> obviously you have a lot of learning done in your past yes
1: well yes that's a good that's a really good um noticing I think so the first degree I did was because I was so involved in political campaigning in Albania and I really wanted to learn how to do campaigning differently in in my home country and so that's what moved me to come to GW and get a degree in that but as I was doing that I was like ah no this doesn't really feel like my space Um, and because I was doing learning and development, the degree that I um, entered into was in um, human resource development, closer to the kinds of things that I had an interest. So I could say was propelled by interest. Um, At the same time, I will say at the, uh, I was an international student. So was also utilitarian at some extent because that was giving me an opportunity to keep learning, but also stay longer uh, and continue this um, U.S. experience. So continuing schooling gave me that opportunity to be in the country a little longer. So I, I will say both end for like there, right there. I'm always, and now I'm doing my doctorate at the School of Education and um, I don't go to, chase my degrees because I have to do a degree. It hasn't felt like that for me. This degree now um, was sort of timing of things. I have been working and building this program, the coaching program, and uh, I am very keen in integrating all these different ways of knowing to have good um, academic and research grounding in the work that we're doing together with the human, build that with the human experience. And so um, the degree I stepped into was to, as a way to continue to go deeper with the research and the work that I've been doing, which is mostly in the space of pedagogy or eco-pedagogy, which is a kind of learning space where you are honoring agency of all uh, beings, both human and non-human. And what I mean by that in plain language is, uh, honoring our connection, deep connection with the natural world, which is us. It's part of our evolution. It's never been outside of us, but then how do we bring more of that into the learning space so that we can keep witnessing our connection rather than our separation. And so, and then if you go a little further into coaching, how is this witnessed through a way of knowing that it's called direct, which is this experience in the moment, the way I'm noticing. And it's when all of our systems intelligences come to a synchronous point, and we know that's truth for us in this moment, in this witnessing. Sometimes we call it, I had a gut reaction, an instinct, or an intuition. But it's more than just intuition. I think it's imagination, it's perception, it's uh, creativity, it's inspiration. There's different elements to it, and I've been wanting to learn about it. How do I know when I know? I want to know for myself. That's been my question. So to to get to answer your question, it's always been my questions that have taken me into a step of stepping into a degree. I will also say that, and I don't want to, uh, I I appreciate uh, education and the system that we're in. And at the same time, I feel there's a lot of things we can improve of the system. And so I've always seen myself as the person who wants to do the bridging, to deeply understand how things work in a system and then work with it to meet the, the the to meet people and understandings that where they are so that you can offer also alternative and innovations and creative ways of doing things differently. You can't just go outside in you have to go inside out and so and not this is not the path that everybody takes. Uh, some people go out and they build um ventures and industries and they become greater influencers in many ways because other ways because they can generate new ways of being policies and i mean this iPhone that we hold in hand most of us do has shifted and transformed the way um uh, we we do things and so so there's different ways to do to influence and i i feel that Uh, for me, my path is legitimizing and normalizing these multiple ways of being and knowing that uh, perhaps we, we don't pay much attention to, but they're innate and are, are in us. So I would really invite people to, and sometimes society values credentialing. Oh, she's got this credential, that credential. Um, I am, and I will say, I've also had my struggles with my doctorate. The people who've been with me in my journey know. Um, at times, I wanted to quit it because um, the the frame is too tight at times, and I don't feel my own voice and creative. Like to, for example, when you write a dissertation. You can only offer uh, your thoughts right at chapter five or four now I'm, I'm but the place where you talk about the findings and then some recommendations. The first three chapters, you only have to synthesize and talk about what everybody else is saying. So right there, you have this um, you're being the synthesizer because through your worldview. You're actually providing the um, um, you're generating new knowing, new knowledge. It's through you that this, but we still call that um, empirical or factual because this person said it, that person said it, and yet our own voice is denied and it's, it's missing. Um, It's not missing. It's actually um, not being recognized it's silent. And to me, and there are a lot of, um, new waves also in that space of research. I know Dr. Julia Storbeck-Walker at GW, who's also my chair. She's been doing a lot of work in this direction in terms of creating new waves for research and, um, and really looking at how you embed the researcher in the research in a way that it's, it's more, um, integrated so um or other forms of expressing like uh, i know there's dissertations now that where people do podcasts as a way of um (laughs) doing research and i think all these forms of um knowledge um need to be honored um who said a dissertation has to be written in five chapters um so yes Yeah.
0: I love that because I think it makes the academical work more relatable to entrepreneurs where entrepreneurs also have an idea and they just want to build it. But really you have to talk to your customers, uh, build the user base, ask for constant feedback. So a lot of times, whatever we're trying to build it's not necessarily what we had in mind in the beginning, mm-hmm. because it's really serving the community and and always being listening to the uh, participants, to the users, and that what makes a successful uh, product at the end. So perhaps uh, same with the dissertation is mm-hmm. in a bit of a. But also, there's always a component, like you said, you can do a podcast, you can uh, do a real organization, uh, um, a, I don't know, a school or, uh, a, a, a study group that will follow the research and, and even somehow you're not allowed to write about it in your first three chapters, you still know it works in real life. People are using it and that can bring a lot of, uh, satisfaction.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um the readership i think would improve uh, and i i again there is a community of scholars that uh your work contributes to and i think that's a that's honorable and very important and exactly i think uh, if we want to um reach more people we have to look at uh, other ways of um uh, of outreach Almost like um I mean you have to listen to that voice of the customer, who's the audience is a key question anyway, but um you have to meet people where they are um and so especially if you want to do the bridge building uh, and bring people along so, mm-hmm. yeah, awesome.
0: well, Lina, thank you so much for your time. It's been fascinating conversation. Um, as a, um, last encouragement words for our entrepreneurs or anybody who is starting something new within their organization or outside, uh, what would you tell them?
1: Sharpen your intuition. Um, really, uh, start working, um, Intentionally to develop your inner voice to listen to your inner voice in the process uh know when it's an ego voice and know when it's an authentic voice because that's a an important one to discern whether when you're projecting and when you're in your own knowing um so that's that's what I mean by practice because you can get this feeling that that's what it is, and um you get lost in it I think. Um, the inner voice is quieter, but the more you start to listen to it, it's going to get more excited and you're going to start becoming familiar. It's a muscle. So train your muscle of intuition and, and, and inner knowing.